Hi everyone, this is Guido Kuas from Passion for God Ministries. I just love this um, technology that we can uh, reach out to you wherever you are with this podcast. And I just want to give as much support to those who are on a journey of walking out of um, destruction in their life, pain, um, emotional wounding towards the restoration that God has for them. And trust me, we need all the help we can get. I myself started this journey many, many years ago. uh, And I can look back and see how good God has been and how he has been faithful. He has kept me. He has provided for me. He has blessed me sometimes beyond my wildest imagination. And I know that's not just for me. It is for every one of his children. He wants to give you that. So whatever area you've been struggling in, the word of God says he wants to restore you, set you free and give you the best. So I want to look with you at at how we can go from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I want uh, in the coming weeks to just discuss several um, wrong thinking that can stop you from getting into the restoration that God has for you. So let me mention some symptoms that people have come to me. Um, People come to me and say, help me, I, I don't feel God. I feel God is distant Um, or some say I struggle with certain sins and I've tried everything I don't come free Um, others feel anxiety attacks panic attacks others feel that um, they're they're just feeling condemned and guilty and they can't break through Um, others their finances are totally shot they're um, financially close to bankruptcy and no matter how much they they um, pray they tithe things are not changing and um, there are many 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 other symptoms that people come to me and say can you help me can you help me find um, a way out of this how can I be delivered from this how can I be released from this uh, the feelings that I have of sometimes total inaccuracy inadequacy, um, uh, incompetence or feeling of I'm not good enough, um, I'm a disappointment to God. Um, Others come to me like um, God is not fair in what he did in my life and uh, they have a serious issue with God, um, especially as a father because they feel he wasn't there for them, he didn't help them, he didn't protect them, and bad things happened in their lives. And so they have a real issue with God. And some of these people are not angry people walking around bitter towards God. They are in the church, some are leaders, some are worship leaders, and yet they have an issue with God. Um, And often they feel God is far away from them they don't really experience that intimacy and that love um, of God and but today I want to deal with one of the most uh, common one that I get often is that sense of um, God wants me to suffer so it's you know I've had a lot of bad things in my life so 
God wants me to suffer. Um, and uh, someone said to me uh, recently, you know, I know God is love, but he still likes you to suffer. So should I just have to accept that? Now, that is, a, that is what I call a distorted God view. Because, okay, I can tell you in one sentence, no, God does not want you to suffer. Um, the objection I, I get often from people is, yeah, but look in the Bible. Paul suffered shipwreck and beatings and, um, you know, uh, Peter and most of the apostles had to die uh, as martyrs. Um, how, can I, how can I believe that God wants good things for me if I see, like, uh, Stephen being martyred, being stoned to death in Acts? Um what hope have we got? How can we believe that God wants good things for us if you see so much suffering in the Bible? And let's start with that because that is one of the biggest fallacies that we as Christians believe. We equate or rather we compare our lives to the lives of those in the Bible that have suffered and some have died. And if you do an analysis in the Bible, just top-level anal analysis, from Genesis right through to Revelation, every time there is suffering of the kind that I call tragedies, um, heartbreak, real hardcore suffering, that is always based on either um, a judgment because of deliberate disobedience. Look in Judges how many times the nation of Israel disobeyed God and so an oppressor arose and oppressed them. And that was as a judgment against them. But still, through it all, I can see that God was... God was showing his love because he could have just called fire from heaven and destroyed all of Israel. But he kind of disciplined them back. And you find at the end of, at the end of a period of oppression, there's always uh, written, and they, they cried out to God, and God sent a judge. So even in that, see, God didn't abandon them. God sent someone to deliver them straight away. But then slowly by slowly, they slip away again. And they disobeyed God and bring about suffering upon themselves. So that kind of suffering is always as a judgment. Or some other examples you see is, is sin. Um, sin also opens the door for the enemy to get you. And so tragedies can happen because someone sinned um, or was disobedient. In spite of warnings, because God is quite merciful, He gives you a lot of warnings. Um, I remember a guy that, as a pastor, I warned him um, not to uproot his family and go down to a, a southern big city to uh, to look for a job, because um, he his, his motives I discerned were not right. He wanted money. He was after money. And he wasn't considering the fact that his wife and his children were settled here 
uh, nearby a church and God was blessing them. God was providing for them. God gave them jobs as well. But he didn't think the jobs were good enough. He wasn't earning uh, sufficient money the way he wanted it. And so, he, uh, 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 although I warned him, um, he decided to move down south. And in, matter of, in a matter of years, he lost everything. Um, lost his family, lost the peace of his family. The children walked away from God. And there was great pain and disaster happened in his family. So, did God want that suffering? Of course not. He warned. He warned this guy. And this guy said, no, I will do my own thing. So, that caused suffering. If you look throughout the Bible, there's never suffering just for the sake of suffering. Suffering usually has a negative connotation. It's disobedient, judgment, uh, sin. Apart from, there is one type of suffering that is, um, is a special type of suffering. And it, it is almost commendable. Uh, that is the suffering for your faith. So when the devil comes to you with persecution, because that is what persecution is. The devil comes to you and say, um, deny Christ. Let go of your faith or else. And he threatens you. I'll give you pain. I'll suffer. You. I'll make you suffer. I'll throw you in jail. I'll hurt your family. And at that moment, the Bible doesn't say that God necessarily will take away the 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 persecution. But He gives you strength to say, even if you take my life, I will not. I will not deny Christ because I love Him. He died for me. He is my master. He is everything to me. So do your worst to me, but I'll go straight to heaven. And, you know, Revelation 12, 11, uh, beautifully says this. Revelation 12, 11. And they, that is the believers, the church, overcame him, that is the devil, through the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and because they did not love their life even when faced with death. So that's those three ways that you that the church overcomes the devil. So it clearly says here, it is through the blood of the Lamb, because Jesus bought us, paid for us, so the devil can't get us. And because of the word of our testimony, so every time you speak about Jesus and you tell people about the gospel and people are getting saved you are defeating the enemy and this bit is not often mentioned the third one and probably the most powerful one is by not loving your life even when facing death it is when you are threatened and you say no my life is nothing compared to my love for Jesus. So you can take this earthly life, but I will see Jesus face to face in the blink of an eye. And that is what many, many thousands, if not millions of Christians throughout the ages have done. 
And that is the kind of suffering that you can see in the Bible. Jesus actually said, said, blessed are you when they persecute you. Right? He calls you blessed. And in Peter 2, it calls, it calls you blessed and that the Spirit of God will rest on you to, to give you special grace when um, you are faced with um, suffering for Jesus. But outside of that um, persecution suffering, any other suffering is uh, the result of either disobedience, judgment, sin, or because we don't understand the principles of God. You know, so sometimes I've ministered to many, several people who had financial difficulties and their money is not um, reaching the end of the month. You know, they never have spare. They're actually going into debt. And by word of knowledge, sometimes the Lord reveals or by just penetrating questions that I sometimes feel led to ask, um, such as, is there anything Untowards going on with your finances? Have you done anything that you think you shouldn't have done or that you doubt whether it was right or wrong? And and sometimes it unearths something that they've been trying to suppress, like um, people uh, helping a relative to hide some money from another family member, so they put it in their account to hide it. And that person thought he's doing something good, even though he probably should have known that that's not right. That is deceit. Um, and it, it had some implication with with benefits. So it's a bit of fraud as well. So they kind of cursed their own finances, and they were struggling financially. So once they faced that and got rid of that and other things in their lives, finances got blessed and repaired and restored. Um, an, another another time, there was someone who was um, using a, a business service that of which he knew that they're not paying tax; they're they're hiding the, the tax um, from the government. So they used that service anyway because it's cheaper, and they were feeling that they're getting short; their finances were not being blessed. So again, once that was revealed, and I challenged them on that. They accordingly stopped using that services and went to where uh, another business where you do pay tax on it, and um, and it was all above board, and so God started blessing them. So, you know, their suffering of financial difficulties was not because God wanted that; it was because of their um, their their own disobedience. But sometimes it's based on ignorance of not understanding the principle of God. If I want to be financially blessed, I need to be financially above board and pleasing with God. There are principles attached to it. I need to be generous. Forget tithing. You need to be generous. Um, very few people who tithe are actually experiencing abundance. It's those who go beyond that. Tithe is the minimum. And so anything that... Um, you give to God above the tithe goes into the um, um, abundance. Um, you 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 move into the abundance level. 
Um, so there are several spiritual principles in the Bible that can help us stay, stay away from that suffering and hardship um, uh, element. Let, let me give you one more example. For example, in Ruth, you read, you know the book of Ruth, of course. If not, go and read it quickly. Um, but in it, at the very beginning, it says um, how a family, a man uprooted his family and went and lived outside of Israel. Okay, so in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it says, And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. And that's where the story starts. So this man, Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Um, now, consequently, or subsequently, you read um, that the man died, Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and then she was left just with her two sons who were married to Moabite women. But then the sons also died. And so Naomi was grief-stricken. She lost her husband and her two sons. And in those days, that means um, you're ruined as a, as, as a widow. Um, and you have no husband to look after you. You have no, no sons to work the land and produce income for you, look after you. That's it. You're ruined. So she, if you read it, she blamed God. And um, she says to her daughters-in-law, um, you know, don't, um, don't stay with me. Uh, go home because, um, can't you see? It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And later again, she says to the people when she arrived, she, she moves back to Bethlehem with Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and the people in Bethlehem called her, oh, Naomi. Um, and she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Naomi is pleasant. Mara means bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me pleasant? The Lord has afflicted me. You know, and literally saying the Lord has testified against me. The Lord stood against me and the Lord has brought misfortune upon me. So she's blaming God for all the bad things that happened to her. But actually, I, I would challenge you to have a look at all the commands that God has given Israel. That um, they shouldn't have moved from Bethlehem to Moab where... It's a land of idolatry, a land, uh, a land of uh, demonic activities. Um, they worship gods that, that will take their children, gods that, that are basically just demonic powers. And God says, you shall have nothing to do with them. You shouldn't even give your sons to marry uh, those uh, women from those, from those nations. You should, I've given you the promised land. Live in there. Be blessed. The land of milk and honey. But because there was famine, because there was more things happening in Israel that caused this famine, um, it's in the days of the judges, a lot of wrong things were happening, which caused famine in the land. And so Naomi and her husband decided, 
that's it let's go to where there is food and they move to Moab now I believe that is their wrong step and the enemy got him they were just her husband and her two sons were casualties because they stepped out of God's protection so it wasn't God against Naomi it was the enemy got him remember John 10 10 John 10 verse 10 Jesus defined how do you recognize the work of the enemy he comes to steal to kill and to destroy but I Jesus says have come to give you life in abundance so whenever you see steal kill and destroy like in Naomi's case I recognize the fingerprint of the enemy there all right but God is so merciful through Ruth's faithfulness and Ruth's uh, heart was actually more was softer than Naomi's even though she lost her husband too she did not become bitter she actually showed faithfulness and love and through that God was able to bless her and by extension bless Naomi Ruth ended up marrying like a rich businessman perhaps like a millionaire and uh, Ruth and Naomi were cared for for the rest of their lives um, and through Ruth came Obed and Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of King David and King David was the forefather of King Jesus I mean look at the blessing there and Naomi was saying God has testified against you against her no God was for her she just had to come back to the promised land and she did she came to Bethlehem and there she became being blessed again so this is just a thought for you you know to to redefine in your mind when you think oh yeah God wants me to suffer no the only time that God may want you to suffer is when you are in a situation where the government and the nation you're in has uh, turned against Christianity and against free expression of your faith and you may be threatened um, with penalties with, with prison with suffering even with death and you are blessed then but outside of that outside of that actually um, you know uh, God actually tells us that we need to pray for a peaceful life it actually says it one in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 I urge then first of all that petitions prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority why that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases God our Savior so Paul is teaching us to actually pray for peace in the land pray that we may live in peace that we may live blessed and God's um, mandate as I often teach you find in Deuteronomy 28 and that is what God wants for us not suffering and it tells you that from the very beginning Deuteronomy 28 1 to 14 that if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments that I give you today so there are commands there are principles I would call them now in New Testament there are biblical spiritual principle like I told you about the finances how you can curse your finance if you if you have dodgy dealings for example right so there are spiritual 
principles, um, not just in finance, but in marriage, in life, in how to bring the children, in how to deal with people, what to believe about God. Your, your God image has to be right. Your heart has to be right. You shouldn't have any ungodly beliefs in your heart, believing lies about yourself or about God. If you get those things sorted, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks will be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. And the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. The Lord will, will establish you as his holy people. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Did you hear that? The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God. So you see, this is um, just, um, I made this a little bit longer, this podcast, because I felt that this is a real important issue to deal with your God view about God, um, God's dealing with you. Does he want you to suffer? No, he would like you to live. In the experience of Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14 that I just read out there. And that's just one of the many passages in the Bible that describes to us what God wants for us. Um, but many of us are living outside of that because there are areas in, the li in our lives that we don't see him for who he is. For example, we believe that it is okay that he sends tragedies to us. Um, and as I often say, especially from the evangelical churches that are non-Holy Spirit uh, uh, people. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles and healings for today. Those kind of corners of the churches, they do tend to believe that whatever happens in my life, that is God's will. And they don't have the necessary um, spiritual discernment between the steal, kill, and destroy from the enemy and the life in abundance. Um, so when you study the scriptures properly and get a good God view, you realize not everything that comes to you comes from God. Paul says, you know, be sober, you know, be, be strong. Uh, Peter says, be sober and alert because the, the enemy, is, the devil is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. But Paul says in Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God, fight, keep standing. And after having done all, make sure you're still standing, right? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers 
of, of, of darkness. So we are in a battle, but you need discernment. And we shouldn't be gullible and just say, oh, well, you know, my husband just dropped that. This is God's will. Hallelujah. No, we need to have discernment to know the enemy does bad things, steal, kill, dis destroy. But God, when we, when we connect with truth and we put his principles in our lives, the principles that he wants so that we can be blessed, we will experience his blessing. Okay, well... You know, there's so much more to be said on this and uh, we'll probably continue next time. For now, I just wanted to leave you with just those, this um, half an hour thought of who God really is and how do you see him. And I want to challenge you to look in the scripture and see that his love is everywhere, like his fingerprint right throughout the Bible. He just wants to bless his children if we only listen to him, open our heart and change our ways, change our beliefs and change our hearts and see him for, for who he really is, our daddy God who loves us dearly, then we can start to experience his goodness in our lives. Okay, so God bless you. Thank you for listening uh, to Passion for God Ministries. If you want more in information from us, please visit our website, Passion for God Ministries, one word, dot org and contact us if you would like more information or if you desire a ministry from us to help you walk into restoration. Hey, God bless you in Jesus' name and um, we'll speak to you soon. Bye.